0: Welcome to Destiny Church's weekly podcast. We're a church located in Columbia, Maryland, right between D.C. and Baltimore, and we're so glad that you decided to listen to our podcast. If you're looking for a message of hope, purpose, and destiny, then you're tuned into the right place. If you have any testimonies of what God has done in your life as a result of listening to this podcast, please email us at stories at your We love to hear how God is impacting people's lives through what he's doing at our church. Now, prepare your heart and mind to hear from God as we jump into this week's message.
1: Luke 15, verse 11. If you're ready, somebody say, yeah. Yeah. If your knees hurt, just be quiet and let's read this verse and then you can sit down. Here we go. Then he said, a certain man... Had two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with wretched living. Have y'all heard this story before Prodigal Son? It's a parable or story that Jesus talks to demonstrate how the kingdom of God works. The younger son came to his dad and said, give me my inheritance. He got his inheritance and he went out and he partied and he blew it all and he ended up working for a Gentile feeding pigs and wishing that he could eat the pig's food because he was so hungry. And the Bible says he came to his senses. And he realized the servants in my dad's house are living a lot better than I as a son is. Let me go back, repent to my father, and say, I'm not worthy to be your son. I'll just be your servant. Just let me back in. So he gets himself together. He walks to his dad's house. The Bible says while he was a far way off, his dad saw him coming, which means his dad was looking for him every single day. It says his dad ran to him, which in Jewish custom, it was uncouth for a elder man to run. Men never ran in public, so it was completely taboo for this Jewish man to run to his son, but he did not care, smelling like pigs. The son started his speech, and his dad, this is Stephen, not the Bible, his dad said, shut up, boy, and he took his favorite cloak and he threw it over his son. And he put a ring on his finger and he hugged him and he kissed him and he said, we are going to throw a party for you today because my son was lost and now he's found. He was dead, now he's alive. The only problem is he had an older brother and his older brother didn't want to party because his little brother came home because he was disgusted with the way that his little brother lived. Verse 27 says this, and he said to him, your brother has come and because he has received him safe and sound, your father has killed the fatted calf. But he was angry and would not go in. Therefore, his father came out and pleaded with him. So he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you. I have never transgressed your commandments at any time. And yet you never gave me a young goat that I may make merry with my friends. He was home, but he wished he was at the party. But as soon as this son of yours comes, who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, you killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that I have is yours. It was right that we should make merry and be glad. For your brother was dead and is alive again, and was lost and is found. Father God, we're grateful that a miracle can happen now. Because the spirit of the Lord is in this place. God, we're grateful just like that father is looking out on that porch every single day. God, you're looking, God, to welcome us home, not necessarily from prodigal living, but just welcome us into a new place of grace, a new place of relationship, a new place of miracles. God, we're praying even now that you would have your will in our lives as it already is in heaven. God, we pray that you would speak to us in this moment. God, we got the bangles today. Make it a W in Jesus' name. Amen, and amen. Before you sit down, high five two people. Tell somebody, welcome home. Come on, tell somebody, tell somebody, tell somebody. I uh, I, I have said in the past, and I don't know if I'm being humorous or being honest, but uh, I I preach. Uh, To get a lot of my issues off of my chest, I probably should go to counseling. I have uh, been to counseling before, but I've discovered it's a lot cheaper just to preach my issues away than it is to go to counseling. And I am partially joking, but if I smile, I've learned this, by the way, you should try this. If you smile and laugh, people don't know if you're joking or telling the truth. So it's just like, (laughs) yeah, I'm crazy. (laughs) And then they all think you're joking, and it just works out perfectly. But I'm gonna continue to do my deal, and we'll see how it works out. I think a lot of the reasons why I need counseling is because I was a second-born child instead of a first-born child. Any second-borns in the room? Any... It's a different ball game being a second born, man. As second borns, we go through a lot. We go through a lot. We don't complain, we don't fuss. We just gotta put up with these these tyrants, these these dictators of older siblings. Like our parents just needed to buy them a puppy so they would have somebody to boss around, but they didn't, so they had us. My sister was like, Steven, sit. Steven, stay. Steven, go. Steven, come. And I'm like, I'm not a puppy, I'm a human being. You can't tell me what to do. She said, yes, I can, because mommy left me in charge, and unfortunately, mommy left her in charge. So I gotta sit, stay, do whatever she tells me to do don't worry about it you're looking like i'm crazy i'm not crazy god's still just dealing with my issues <laughs> this guy's is crazy one of the greatest issues or one of the greatest causes of the second born of of all the trauma that i've been through on those horrible occasions when my older sister got to go to a party and i had to stay home There is nothing more traumatic than having a sibling that you know is out there having fun and you are not invited. My sister was a social butterfly and she had all these different friends and they wouldn't just have parties. They would have sleepover parties. Like you get to leave and not come back until the morning. And my mom would say, well, it's her and it's her friends so you can't go. And I would say, yeah, right, I have my plan." Because oftentimes it would be one of my mom's friends and my moms would be friends with their mom and, and they would have some son my age. So I'd plot, well, I'm not going to stay, but can I just come along for the ride to drop her off? And as soon as we got to the house, I'd take off My and my mom's like, hey, we got to go. And I'm just going to go say hi to my friend. And I would go in the basement, we'd play video games, we'd go out back and play basketball or whatever. It be. But I'd try to disappear out of sight, out of mind. Maybe, just maybe, she'd forget that she'd brought me and she'd leave me and I'd be involved and I'd be good. She'll get to talking to her friend or whatever it be and it'd be 15 minutes, 20, 30, and about 45 minutes in, I'm like, I'm good, she's forgotten me. And then she goes, Stephen! I'm like, ugh. But I have a backup plan. You come with the puppy face. And you don't talk to your mom cuz my mom she don't care about the puppy face. But you talk to the other person's mom and so, say, "You don't mind if I stay, right?" <laughs> come on, that's how you get beat in public. <laughs> and I said, "Mom, like can you come back and pick me up later?" And, and you that friend I'm like, "Oh, the boys could stay. The boys will play." And my mom would just look at me like We had this conversation. I don't care if you try to embarrass me in public. I don't get embarrassed. Get in the car. <laughs> And I'd get in the car and I'm just like, oh, and then I'd get home. And to make matters worse, when I got home, my mom would say something like, hey, have you vacuumed the house yet? (laughs) This is abuse. (laughs) My sister is out there wasting the family's wealth on riotous living at her nail polish party or wherever she's at. And I feel like Cinderella, good gracious. <laughs> and I grabbed it, and this is back in the early 90s, y'all. So it's not these little cute Dyson vacuum cleaners now. We're talking about like the pole head and then the, the canister. Y'all remember like the two piece vacuum cleaner? And I'm dragging this thing through the house and I'm grumbling the whole time. And not tongues that I'm speaking in. And I'm fussing and all this other good stuff. And when I finally vacuumed the house, my mom would, all, every sleepover, she would always say, Well, since your sister's not here, I'd say, Yeah said, so what are we going to do? And I'm like, you tell me. And she said, let's go to the movies. Or we were homeschooled, so here was our movies. Let's go to the library and rent a movie. Y'all, y'all, y'all know nothing about going to the library. Y'all got Netflix and Redbox. No, 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 no. Randallstown Library, come on. Can I rent the magic school bus? I'm joking, I never did. <laughs> but we would rent movies. We'd grab all the cushions out of the couch. We'd put them on the floor. We'd, we'd build a teepee. We, we'd pop popcorn. And we would have a sleepover party at home. She would never let me do this whenever it was there. But when somebody else was gone having fun, she would make sure that it was more fun at home than it was. I've found that when it comes to this prodigal son story, so often we've heard stories from the son who left and came home. We've heard messages preached about how you can't go too far and God won't welcome you back. There's no mistake that you've made. By the way, if you've made a mistake, God will never accept you back as a servant. You'll always be a child. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you've made, God doesn't have sub-Christians. There's no hierarchy to Christianity. The blood of Jesus covers every sin, every mistake, and just as he covered him in that cloak, God's grace covers every single one of you. Somebody say amen. Amen. But what about a message from the perspective of the bitter older son? The older brother that says, I never left church, I was always here. Can I get in trouble? I, I wasn't at homecoming last night. I was getting ready, ironing out my clothes, getting ready for church. <laughs> not the homecoming, was bad. You could go and not be ratchet, I'm just saying. But no God, I don't get drunk. I'm waiting for marriage. I'm living righteous. God, still it doesn't seem like things are working out my way. That older brother said he went out and disobeyed everything you've said, and you're blessing him, and I've lived for God, and I can't even get a little goat. Can I tell you what he was saying? He was saying what all of us don't have the guts to say. God, what's in it for me if I live for you? Like, like, like I, I get it, you died on the cross and I'm giving you my life and I'm grateful and if you don't do anything else for me, I know that I should be grateful, but what's in it for building your house? This is gonna be one of the, the, the most kind of direct, blunt messages you've ever heard, is that okay? Why should I serve in church? Why shouldn't I just walk in, get a good word and walk back out and wait till the next week? What's in it for me? Why should I park cars? Why should I greet at the front door? Why why should I pray over people's babies and Destiny's kids as they're in service? Why should I serve? Why should I host a connect group? My goal for you is not that you would just be a church attendee, but that you would be a church participator. Oh, it's quiet in here. That's okay. This is my third time. I ain't scared of y'all. And hear me, hear me, hear me. And I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say this and to preach this in the right tone because I don't want to come across as ungracious or ignorant or whatever it may be. But I don't want you to serve in church because I need your help building this church. There's a lot of phenomenal people that are already sacrificing to make this happen. I want you to not just attend church, but to serve in church. And it's not about serving in church. It's about building the kingdom of God so that you can be blessed. Like when you just attend and you don't participate, there's things in your life that God has for you that you're missing out on. By the way, can I tell you what church is? Church is the party that the father throws every Sunday when his lost son comes home. And guess what, that party doesn't just happen, but people are practicing and preparing and decorating and typing up song lyrics and making videos and making lights and all this other kind of stuff and planning lessons so that when it comes around Sunday morning at 9, 10.45, 12.30, 4 p.m., 5.30, that there's a party for every son and every daughter that thought the father had given up on them and they walk through the door. You know people come to church expecting to be judged? Like, okay. I've been avoiding this my whole life, but it's time, you know, I'm old now, I can't party anyway, so I might as well go and get my life together, and I always wanted my kids to grow up in church like I did, so, you know, you'd be lying to us, talking about, i hear of for the kids, you're not here for the kids, you're here for you, but we'll play you a little trick, and all right, pastor, tell me how bad I am, all right, tell me how I messed up, tell me how God's bad to me, or whatever it may be, and you walk in, and it's a party, and it's not, your jacked up, it's, man, I'm so glad you're here. We've been waiting on you. God's been waiting. He still has a plan and a purpose and a destiny for your life. I don't just want you to be the prodigal son coming in. That's only your first time going forward. I want you to be the person that's throwing the party. But it may be that you don't know what's in it for you. You ever heard of the Apostle Peter? Most of you have. Peter was one of the 12 apostles. Peter was the apostle that had foot and mouth disease. It's that disease where you put your foot in your mouth over and over and over again. Peter was the type of person who said what everybody else was thinking. Anyway, you got a friend like that, that if there's something that shouldn't be said, they're going to say it? Anybody would be honest enough to admit you're that person? Like, if they come on, now, I, that's your pastor, by the way. Like, if you're thinking it, I'm going to say it. As, you're thinking it, so I might as well say it, right? That that was Peter. There was this story in the New Testament when when, when a young man who was extremely wealthy came to Jesus and asked, what must I do to be a follower of God? We're going to call him new money. New money comes to Jesus and he says, hey, what do I need to do to be a follower of God? And Jesus said, easy, sell all of your possessions, give it to the poor, and come follow me. And new money, the Bible says he walked away very sad because he had a whole lot of wealth. By the way, the Bible didn't say he didn't do it. It just says he was sad. And by the way, I think if there's not a soberness to your commitment to God, maybe you don't realize the commitment that you're making. But here comes big mouth Peter. And Peter's like, hold on, he had to give up everything to follow Jesus? I've already given up everything to follow Jesus. What's in it for me? In Matthew chapter 19, verse 27, it says this, then Peter said to him, we left everything to follow. Jesus, what you just told him to do, we already did it. Peter said what you're thinking, what will we get out of it? What's in it for me? So what I want to do today is if you're serving, I want to tell you what's in it for you. If you have a heart for building God's house, for throwing parties for other people to meet Jesus, I want to tell you what's in it for you. If you're not serving, if you're kind of in and out and I'm going to receive and I'm going home, if you're an attendee and not a contributor, I kind of want to entice you. Is that Okay. I want to tell you what you're missing out on. The first thing is this. If you could write this down, there's sermon notes in your worship guide. The first blank is this. Blessings double when I stay. Sometimes it's hard to preach the Bible because you, you, you want to preach inclusion, that, that, that everybody is included, and, 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 and that's partially true. The Bible is an if-then book. If this, then that. And the reality is, if this, then everybody has access. For example, salvation is for the world. That if you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then everybody can receive salvation. But the only problem is if you don't accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you, there is no other name under heaven given to men by which you must be saved. All roads don't lead to heaven. Does that make sense? So a double blessing is accessible for all, but not all have a double blessing. Only those that stay not just in the house, but actually give their lives to building the house. This older brother was standing there, and he was bitter, and he was saying, hey, you you gave your possession to your son. He blew it. He came back home, and you took the fatted calf. And look what he said. He said, you haven't even given me as much of a goat that I can party with my friends. How are you taking care of him and you've forgotten about me? Let's read the verse again. In Luke chapter 15, verse 11, it says this. Then he said, a certain man had, yell that word out at me. How many sons? Two. Come on, that was a whisper. A certain man had two. two sons. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. By the way, and you have to understand the ignorance and the disrespect in his statement. This is what he said. He said, Dad, I wish you were dead hear me, you don't get your inheritance until your parent passes away. So for him to say, Dad, I want my inheritance now, he was saying, Dad, I can't wait for you to die. You're taking too long. Isn't that crazy? He said, Dad, give me the portion of goods that falls to me, and watch this, and I actually need you to read one word with me. You guys ready? So the father divided two, Who got the inheritance? Both. Both. Not just the younger The dad said, if I'm gonna give my inheritance, I'm gonna give it to all, to the one who asked and the one who didn't ask. The one who said, you haven't even given me a goat, he got his inheritance the same day his older brother got his inheritance, his younger brother got his inheritance. But here's the deal, the firstborn child or firstborn son in Jewish custom always got two-thirds of the father's possessions. And then one-third, or what was left over, was divided amongst the other siblings. But because there was only two brothers, one got two-thirds and one got one-third. Somebody say double. double. Just the fact that he was the firstborn child means that he got double the blessings, anything that his brother got. You may not realize this, but as a child of God, you are the firstborn in the kingdom of God. Somebody say, prove it. I love when y'all say that. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 23. Here's what it says happens when you come to church. Somebody say, I'm going to church. Cool. Here's what the Bible says. It says, you have come to the assembly of God's, read that word with me. Firstborn. He said, you're the firstborn child whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. You have come to the spirit of the righteous ones in heaven who have now been made perfect. God says, listen, you are the firstborn. You actually have received double blessings in your life. Here it is, the older brother was bitter, thinking his dad hadn't given him anything, and he was blind to the blessings that he already had. Do you understand that God has already given you your inheritance? You don't have to wait for heaven? Like when Jesus was on earth, he preached his message. He said the kingdom of God is here now. I don't have to wait for heaven to be healed. Because healing is my inheritance. The Bible says healing is the children's bread, and he can heal me right here on earth. Oh, you must not know anybody who needs healing in their life. Because you just missed a really good place to say amen. Amen. I'm not going to let you pass with that one. You missed a really good place to say amen. 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 Y'all, we're not talking church. We're talking reality. Like, he still heals. Like, he heals things doctors say can't be healed. But he's the ultimate doctor. Many of you, depending on when you come to church, you may know my story, you may not know, but my mom was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. She went into the doctor. The doctor says, we found it too late. There is nothing that we can do. We need to send you home, make your peace with God and with your family. You have about three months to live. God extended her life for another 15 years. Not three months, not 15 months, 15 years. It got to the point where her atheist doctor asked her, are there people that are praying for you? Because I have never seen someone find it at this late stage and live this long. As far as I know the story, the doctor retired before the situation was even over. We serve a God who is a... As a healer. I, I, I remember being in college, and, and, and I, w- I was like partially in college. I was like a part-time student. I had full-time credits, but I was working at my dad's church. I say working. He wasn't paying me, so I was volunteering at my dad's church in Baltimore, and he had like three different meetings during the week. I'd drive up on Wednesday for a leadership meeting, Then I'd drive up on Friday for youth group, and then I was the worship Team. so I led prayer on Saturday morning then I led worship on Sunday morning so I was in Baltimore all the time I missed all the parties, I wasn't going anyway because that wasn't my scene and, and I just kind of missed the whole church or, or college life and I remember one of my roommates, he was kind of frustrated because every time he'd come in did you see where you at? I was like no I actually have never been to a homecoming in my life I'm a little bitter about it, that's why I'm making all these plugs but that's okay and at one time, he got so frustrated, he said, Stephen, this is you and this is life passing you by. Like, I was like, you should be a preacher one day. It's a really good analogy. <laughs> but he was so intense on, you're, you're missing out. And I get that you're doing all your church thing and all that other good stuff, but, but you're missing out. I don't, y'all, I'm 32 years old. I'm pastoring one of the fastest growing churches in America. That's a good place in. Hear me, hear, hear me, hear me, hear me. And this is always a little, this is a fine, tight-load rock because I don't want to sound prideful, don't want to sound false, humble, all this other kind of stuff. But, but hear me, hear me, hear me. I, I know God's gifted me as a communicator, leader, all that other good stuff. What's going on is, is not because I'm that good. I'm not this good. This is what it looks like when you invest in God's house to the level where he begins to multiply things that you put your hands to. This is what it looks like when God begins to accelerate things beyond your ability to accelerate them because you put your hand to do what he cared about. And one of the things that I've discovered that if I give my life doing what he cares about, then all of a sudden he begins to take notice of what I'm doing and he accelerates it beyond my own personal ability. you, You understand Jesus is not afraid of your questions, right? Like, like like, Peter said to Jesus, What's in it for me? And here's the shock Jesus answered. By the way, I just like have fun. You need to thank God almost every day that your pastor ain't Jesus. <laughs> because the Bible would read a whole lot different than it reads right now. Peter's like, I've left everything to follow you. What do we get out of it? If I was you, I'd be like, What do you get out of it? Boy, I died for you. You lucky I don't take you up on that cross with me. I- That would have been my, look what Jesus said when Peter said, what's in it for me? In Luke 18, 29, and he said to them, assuredly, I say to you, he answered, first of all, he said, there is no one who has left a house or parent or brother or wife or children for the sake of the kingdom of God. So I'm not saying she broke up with you and now you're saying Jesus told you. No, 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 no. She dumped you, had nothing to do with God. He said, no, 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 there's no one that's walked away for something for the sake of the kingdom of God who shall not receive many times more in this present time. Somebody say, this This present present time. time. There's a message that's being preached that's not biblical. And I'm going to give you my super spiritual preacher voice. Oh, when the saints go marching in. I wish I could do it right. Oh, when he splits the sky. When the trumpet blows, I, I will be in that number. And that is when I will see all that he has for me. Amen. That's true. Heaven's gonna be great, it's gonna be amazing. Bible says the streets of gold. Bible says there's no tears, except for tears of joy. There's no sickness, there's no heartache, there's no pain, there's no racism. There's no poverty, there's no disease, it's going to be amazing. But Jesus never preached a gospel of wait for heaven. His gospel was heaven is here right now. And he said, listen to me, any sacrifices that you make for welcoming more people into my house, even something as simple, and I'm not, getting. I'm just using an example, like I was at the 1045 service and the pastor said I needed seats, so I came to the 1230. He said, any way you inconvenience yourself to welcome other people into the kingdom of God, I will make sure that I repay your efforts, but I'm not going to repay it in like kind. I'm going to multiply what you put in and you're going to get it back better than you put it in, not when you die, but here on earth. I'm an econ major and, and i you know, thinks about finances and retirement and all this other kind of stuff. And different companies, they have a retirement match plan. And basically what that retirement match plan is, hey, we have a retirement account, and if you put money into that account, we'll match you up to a certain amount. You guys know what I'm talking about? Like if you put 3% of your income in, they'll match 3% or 6% or up to 10%. If you have a really good company, come talk to me. i love to work for the 10% folks. But anyway, whatever you put in will match. But here's the deal. When you put in, they'll match. And then when you retire, the money that you have to withdraw is not just what you put in, But it's what you put in plus what they put in plus how it grew with interest. The only problem is if you don't put anything in, come on, I'm preaching. They don't have anything to match and then there's nothing to withdraw. Just a very basic question. What personal inconveniences have you put into advancing the kingdom of God? What decisions have you made that were not beneficial for your life, but they were beneficial for the kingdom of God? Because that's not just a decision to inconvenience yourself, that's an investment in the kingdom of God, and God has determined that he will respond to your investment, and there will be a withdrawal on this side of eternity. Can, can, I, can I talk, oh, I'm having have fun. You guys having fun? Yeah. I'll, I'll talk to certain people, and I'll say, hey, you, the, the, the crowd that you run with right now is hindering your progress as a Christian. Like, like y- y- the Bible says that bad company corrupts good character, and that's not a middle school verse. It's amazing as parents how concerned we are about who our kids' friends are, but we're less concerned about who our friends are. As if that verse only affects, and I'm just like, look, I don't, I don't do what they do, Yeah, but when you're around them, your character is corrupted. As you say, when I was in college, I'd hang out with a group of people, that they cuss like sailors. And I never cussed, so I could say, you know, I was around them, but they didn't affect me. But guess what I began to realize? That even though I wasn't cussing, my language became a lot more edgy. I saw myself spelling words instead of saying them. You know what I mean? I'm talking about sugar and honey and all this other kind of stuff that I'm throwing in and all these substitutes, and I realized that my character was being corrupted. I never got to the place where they were, but I didn't stay at the place that I was. And people will say things like, oh, but that's my cousin. He's your savior. Oh, we've been friends since middle school or this or that. You, you hear me, right? Wait. Do you really think you'll be able to walk away from them for the sake of your soul in the kingdom and God won't replace them with friends that are 10 times better than the ones you walked away from? Like, 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 let's get real. Any sacrifice that I make for the advancing of the kingdom of God, and I don't want to say this extra biblically, God doesn't owe me, but biblically he's made a contract with me to replace my sacrifice, multiply So when I tell my boss, I'm sorry, I can't take that contract because it's going to dominate too much of my time and I can't work in the church the way that I needed to, God says, I will pay you back for that contract you walked away from. Huh? When I walk away from that relationship and don't marry that person, they're fine, they got good credit, they got a nice job, all my friends wish they could date them, but as I got to know them, I realized they were not kingdom-minded. And they were a Christian, they just weren't kingdom-minded. And they were not going to help build a marriage that advances God's kingdom. They were going to build a marriage that advanced their life. And I walked away from it. Listen to me. I didn't walk away. I made an investment. And God has guaranteed that he will respond to that investment. What have you invested in the kingdom of God? The second thing is this. You write this down. The father builds my house. The father, the father, the father. The second, I'm trying to entice y'all. Are y'all enticed yet? Okay, I got two more points. I'll get you there. Uh, The father builds my house. The older brother was so bitter that he was blind to the blessings that he already had. He said, so he answered and said to his father, Lo, these many years I have been serving you and I have never transgressed your commandments. Let's stop here. That's a lie. He said, Dad, I've never sinned a day in my life is once again, why I'm not God, because I'm like, it's not that you have sin, you are sin. <laughs> the Bible says, none is righteous, no, not one. I lo- You know the Bible's a conversation, right? I believe mean, that verse is like, none is righteous. Well, you know, my mama, she was really sweet. No, not one. <laughs> it's like the nicest person you know, they are not righteous. And here's what happened to the older brother. He was trapped in religion, not relationship. Religion is always transactional. God, if I do, if I do, then you have to do. God doesn't do for us because we've done for him. God does for us because we're his child. It's relational, not transactional. He said, dad, I've never transgressed at any time, and yet you never gave me a young goat that I might make merry with my friends. But as soon, look at his language, as this son of yours, it's his brother, (laughs) y'all, this son of yours who has devoured your livelihood with harlots, that's biblical prostitutes. You killed the fatted calf for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me and all that I have is yours. Younger son leaves, blows all his money. Older son stays and works in his father's field. Every day he gets up and he's working in the field. He's leading his father's servants. He's fixing the house. He's vacuuming, y'all. He's vacuuming. <laughs> His brother's out there whiling at a sleepover, and he's, he's taking care of the father's house. Any math folks in the room? If not, I'll walk you through this.
0: <laughs> Father has
1: an inheritance. Son acts, give me my portion. He gives the younger one-third. He gives the older son two-thirds. me say one-third, one-third plus two-thirds. When you add one-third but two-thirds together, you get three-thirds or one whole. The father gave everything away. The father had nothing left for himself. He gave his younger son one-third, his older son two-thirds, and he had nothing left. So here is the older brother working out in the hot sun in his own field but because he's trapped in religion and he sees his heavenly father as an unrealistic God who doesn't understand that it's 2019 and you can't expect me to live holy and you can't expect me to wait for marriage and you can't expect me to serve in church. Give 10% of my income, are you kidding me? I can barely pay my bills, you must have lost your mind. You expect me, you expect me. Whole time he feels like he's serving his dad and he's serving himself. Because everything he's put in his hands to work at, his father has already given him. Watch this. When the father was out there working in the field, the father wasn't working in his own field. He was working in his son's field. He was actually building what belonged to the son. But the son was all confused. Listen to me. When you're working, you're not working for God. You're working for you because all he has belongs to you. Romans chapter 8 verse 16 says this, the Spirit himself witnesses with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that Jesus has been given a name that is above every name, and at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow, and every tongue confess that he's Lord of all. At some point, I know I made fun of it, but it's actually true. At some point, the sky will crack, and Jesus will return. And the Bible says that the earth that we live on will be destroyed because of all the sickness and pain and sin. He says he's gonna make a new heaven and a new earth. And watch this, the father's not doing it all for himself. He's gonna give authority over all of it to his children, not just to Jesus all of his children. So when I'm building a kingdom, I'm actually building my kingdom. Like literally, he said, everything that I have, I give unto you. How would you live life differently if you caught the revelation that God the Father sees me the same way he sees Jesus? And he responds to me the same way that he responds to Jesus. Not because I am perfect, but because I am covered by the perfect one. Here's the thing. On your drive home, just think about this, and we're all here, so I'm not going to beat you up, but you'll be okay. We're all trapped in religion. We all have a transactional relationship. We think God responds to us based on our performance. Like that, that is our wrestle to renew our mind. You think that when you pray, when you fast, when you don't cuss, when you tithe, that God is more obligated to do something great for you. You think that way, he doesn't think that way. You know what he thinks? Oh man, I remember that day where they gave me their life. And in that moment, every mistake, future, present, and past was erased. And as I look at them, all I see is Jesus covering them. And oh my goodness, I love them. And I can't wait to be able to bless them and to give them more and more and more of my kingdom. What if you caught a revelation that I am the child of the most high God? Like right on the edge. There is a way that I carry myself that makes people uncomfortable. And and I try to make sure that I walk as humbly as I can, and but I'm not going to apologize, and I'm not going to change. And I, I actually want you to start acting like this instead of just watching me do it. Can can I can I give you some pointers? We don't beg for jobs. I'll interview, but I don't beg, cause I know who my father is. Like this is, this is the most practical preaching you've ever heard. Stop going to interviews intimidated. Because they don't make decisions for you. God does. I will honor you. I will not be afraid of you. Because the Bible says that when my father opens a door, no man can shut it. And if that door shuts, it wasn't for me. It's not on you. I'm not begging for no mortgage. Yo, if you could just look over, can you? No, can you do nothing for me? (laughs) I don't need to. I'm not begging you to like me. I just don't wear this so many insecure Christians. I don't preach like this all the time because it's a little scary, but stand up straight. Look people in the eye. Stop begging people to like you, to accept you, to want to be your friend. You want to be my friend, you're lost. And this is is not arrogance, this is not pride. I'm not saying that I'm better than you. I just know who I am and I know whose I am and I'm going to walk like it and I really need you to start walking like it too. Because all that I need, my Father has already provided for me. It is His kingdom, and He is sharing His glory with me. Stop begging in your prayers. It is His good pleasure to give you the kingdom. I'm not begging for a healing. He wants to heal me. Because I am His child. Psalm 120. Are y'all all right? Was that too strong? Okay, cool, cool, because I don't know, sometimes I scare people. I try to, I try to, okay, back to Barney preaching. How's it going? I love you, you love me. <laughs> yeah. Psalm 127:1 says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who builds it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat bread of sorrow. This is my favorite part, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Pastor, I'd love to serve in your church. i love to park cars. I man, I like it. It's cute. It's cute. It's cute. It's cool. It's like, but I like, it's not realistic. You know what's going on in my life? Do you understand? I got children. I got to drop them off at of school, and then I got to go to my first job. Then I got to pick the kids up for school, drop them off at my aunt's house. I'm going to my second job. Like, I got, like, I got bills. Is, is God going to pay my bills? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, <laughs> he will if you build his house. It's practical, I promise I'll land a plane about. It. No. Anyway. <laughs> I've discovered, I'm not going to talk about you, I'm just talking about me. When I'm struggling to sleep at night, I'm tossing and turning with stress for decisions that I need to make. And I got to try to figure this out. And I'm up and, and, and four, my feet hit the ground. I'm running off and I'm working. And, and, and I come home and I kiss the babies and I'm working all night long. And when my life looks like that, it's because I'm building me. And he's not involved. Because he has promised me that if you let me build your house, I'll let you sleep at night. Like, that's a promise from God. Like, if I'm, no, this is strong. All right, I'm feeling strong now. If you're struggling to sleep at night, it's probably because you're building something that God wants to build. Wow. Okay. Wow. You know, sometimes we break. You know, I don't even need sleep. I sleep like three hours a night. Eh. I don't know if I'd brag about that. <laughs> because he says, I will bless you with sleep if you would seek first my kingdom. Am I right, last thing, land is Write this down, my treasure lasts forever. My treasure, my treasure, my treasure, my treasure lasts forever. So we, we preach this message to show the grace of God, that all the mistakes that the younger son made, that the father still covered every mistake that he made. I think another way where we show the grace of God is that the father didn't snap on the older brother. Like, I'd have snapped on the older brother, like, you want to walk with your brother, you know how long, get yourself in there and party with your brother, and you're going to smile, and you're going to have fun. That's how I would have responded. That's not what the father did. He came out to the older brother. God is someone who wants everybody involved. And he explained, he, he tried, he didn't coddle him, but he didn't judge him. But there's a part of this story that I've, just me, some of men have preached, I've just never heard it preached before that the younger brother who got one-third of his inheritance, he went out and he wasted it all on riotous living, he came back, and his dad threw a party, he welcomed him home, but here's the thought of mine, what happened the day after the party? Because he blew all his money, there was none left, and watch this, the son who blew it, he blew it, he was still a son, but he had nothing to show for it. And the son that stayed in the house and put his hands to building the father's house, he not only had his two-thirds, but it multiplied as he built it. Here's what I've discovered. If I give all my energy to building me, I'll have nothing to show for it. But if I give my energy to building the kingdom of God when it matters... I will not have lost one thing. Matter of fact, it will multiply. It breaks my heart, but there's some people that are going to make it to heaven, and they're going to be Christians, but they're not going to have anything to show for it. I'm saying, you know how, you know, they have social security for for people who haven't saved or retired. I call it social insecurity, because by the time I retire, it might not be there. Who knows what's happening in America right now? I believe there's going to be people in heaven that are living off of eternal security. Like, I didn't save anything for myself in heaven, so I have to live off of just the grace of God, but, but, but there's not going to be much that I have because I didn't retire or I didn't save for myself. If you've been in one of our financial peace classes, Dave Ramsey teaches that if you would get out of debt and then put 15% of your, of your income away for retirement, when you get to retirement age, two things will be guaranteed, that if you made at least $40,000 throughout your life, that you will be a millionaire. And second of all, that you will have enough, as he says, to retire with dignity. Like if you work, it's only because you want to work. And you could actually take those trips and those travels and all that other good stuff. Just a thought, not biblical, but just Stephen. What if, if 15% of my money will prepare me for retirement? What if 15% of my life prepared me for eternity? Wow. Wow. Like, like, Let's get really practical. What if I say, God, I'm putting 15% towards retirement, so of my life, 15% of it is going to go to build your kingdom? More practical. I work 40 hours a week. Fifteen percent of forty is six. I just know that because I've preached this message three times today. <laughs> so God, every week I'm going to give you six hours of my life. Not six hours reading my Bible and praying because that's for me. Six hours welcoming lost children into the kingdom of God. So I'm a host a Connect group. That's two hours. I'm a serve on the parking team or I'm a greet people at the front door. Or I'm a pre- y'all know that coffee don't prepare itself, right? There's like Destiny Church worker bees back here in the kitchen, more coffee, more coffee, more people, okay, more coffee, more coffee. (laughs) I'm going to give two two hours of my Sunday to making sure that there's hot coffee for everybody who walks through the door. I'm going to be in Destiny Kids praying over somebody's newborn and leading worship in the third graders class. I'm a little uh, technologically savvy, come on, help me, Lord. I'm going to work a camera so that people can see the pastor. I'm going to put up verses. I'm going to type in the worship songs. I'm, I'm going to make an investment not into my today but into my eternity. Pastor, now i got six hours. Okay, tithe, 10%. 40 hours a week, that's four. Four hours a month. Matthew six nineteen says this, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth. Where rust and moth destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I challenge you. Like, let's be a people that don't just take God's blessings and then run off and live them out. But let's be a place that God, I'm grateful that you're blessing me and I ain't giving them back. But I'm going to use part of my life to welcome other people into that same blessing and to store up for myself a reward in eternity. Let's pray. Father God, we're grateful. God, we're thankful that no matter how far we run, you always welcome us back. God, the reality is, though, some of us, we're not the lost son, we're the older brother who's a little bitter. God, we've been blind to all that you're doing for us and all that you've done for us. But God, in this moment, I pray that you would open our eyes. God, to see how you're building our lives, building our marriage, building our kids, building everything that concerns us. Even things as simple as peaceful sleep is a blessing from you. Just as we are with your eyes closed and your head bowed, if you could pray this prayer with me, say, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Just give God a moment to make this time, this message personal to me. Maybe you're in here and the person you relate with with most is the son that left home. Because the reality is I'm outside of relationship with my father. Maybe you're the son that stayed home, but you're still outside of relationship with your father. The reality is that God, God wants you to be a part of your life. And he's just waiting for an invitation. Pastor, what do I do? I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired, I'm tired of doing it on my own. How do I get in a relationship with God? It's so awesome. You just have to ask. The moment you invite him, you respond to the price that he paid on the cross, and he said in that moment that he comes rushing into your life, he covers every mistake, just like that father covered his son with a cloak, he covers every sin, every mistake, he puts authority on your life, and he welcomes you into the family. say, Pastor, I would like that. I want that for my life. Well, if that's you, you don't even have to get up right where you're sitting. You can make that decision right now. Simply pray this prayer with me. Say, Father God, thanks for being my father. Thanks for not giving up on me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross so that all my sin can be covered. Today, I invite you into my life. I surrender to you. Be my Lord and my Savior and use me for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen. Come on, church. Can you celebrate? Hey, let's start the party now. Can you celebrate as if somebody just made the greatest decision ever?
0: Thanks again for tuning into this week's message. If you want to learn more about our church, check us out at www.yourdestiny.church. Meet our leadership team, find a way to connect with our church, and partner with us through giving. You can also connect with us on social media by visiting our Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram pages. Tune in next week for another message from our pastor, Stephen Chandler.